Hey everybody and welcome back on the Blockworks YouTube channel. As every week, we will go through the latest article of my free newsletter, The Macro Compass. And the article of the, of the week goes through the BIS paper, the one you probably heard about that calls uh, or tries to shed light on the hidden dollar debt story. So it's a paper on the foreign exchange market derivatives and the resulting so-called hidden debt, which sounds pretty complicated, but in reality, we'll actually break it down here and you'll realize it's not that complicated. So before we go into it, you should remember that king dollar matters. Our monetary and credit system is a dollar-centric system, the lion's share of international debt issuance, trade invoices, the denomination of asset classes and FX volumes is mostly in US dollars. Now, funnily enough, the direct access to this dollar liquidity is only available to entities, of course, located within the United States. But in a credit-based system, in a debt-based system, the rest of the world has a strong incentive to leverage in US dollars. Why? Because this way they'll boost or announce their global business models. So think of a European bank, a Brazilian corporate, a Japanese insurance companies. If they want to do global business, they most likely will need to get exposure to the dollar, dollar-denominated assets, dollar-denominated liabilities and debt, despite them being domiciled outside the United States. Now, this required dollar funding and access to dollar funding happens both on the balance sheet and off the balance sheet. And the derivatives market is an important mechanism that happens off balance sheet, and it's very important. And that's the focus of the BIS report. So in this piece, we'll discuss and do a deep dive into the hidden dollar story from the BIS and present our conclusion and findings. I need to give you a spoiler though. It's a much more nuanced take than these clickbaity media headlines you'll be uh, seeing floating around with, you know, it's all gonna fall apart. Oh my God, we just found $80 trillion. It's much more nuanced than that. Now, let's first de define some basic concepts. Again, if you're a Japanese insurance company, you want to purchase US treasuries you need dollar funding for this transaction. The same way a Brazilian corporate needs dollar funding to boost their international activities in dollars. Now, a dollar funding can be thought of issuing a bond in dollars or funding in the repo market. Those transactions are accounted on the balance sheet and they are very transparent and easy to track. We know that there are roughly 20 to $25 trillion of dollar-denominated funding that sits outside the United States. That's a very big number, but obviously there are also other ways to fund your transactions in dollars. Some of these ways are off balance sheet and the FX derivatives market is a, a lot accounts for the lion's share of this off balance sheet dollar funding. This is what the BIS called hidden debt. It sounds complicated, but let's talk about what this FX derivative market really is. And let's actually break down a transaction. Let's talk about an FX swap. An FX swap is an agreement basically between two counterparties. It's really simple, two steps. If I am the Japanese insurance company, I will sell Japanese yen and I will buy dollars today on a spot exchange. I will take these dollars and I will buy the treasuries with it. The second leg of the FX swap transaction will be that I agree to pay you back the dollars and to get back from you the yen at a pre-agreed price at a pre-agreed given date in the future. And that's the forward part of our FX swap transaction. In other words, I buy the dollar today from you, I give you the yen, I buy the treasuries with my newly purchased dollars, and later in the future, I promise that I will pay back the dollars and I will get back the yen from you. That's it. Now, 
Notice how we, of course, exchange the full principle at maturity. In other words, you can, th you can think of this as a securitized loan. It's a loan between each other and the and securitization is basically the foreign exchange amounts behind each leg of the transaction. Now, the BIS calls this hidden debt. But why would that be the case? Because accounting rules allow for this transaction to be off the balance sheet. If you look at the table that the BIS put in that article, it's very easy to understand that an FX swap, you can see that in the transaction uh, indicated in red, has these two legs, the spot exchange and the forward exchange agreement. But it's reported on a net basis. You can see the box, the red box in there. And the net basis basically shows that there has been a purchase of a foreign assets, AX, that's the foreign treasury that has been bought, but you don't see the resulting funding transaction on the balance sheet despite being there. It's the effect swap that we just discussed. If instead the Japanese insurance company would have funded it in repo, for example, that's the blue box you see in there, repos are reported on a gross basis. So you can see the AX being the foreign assets being bought, but you can also see that the balance sheet has two additional items which reflect the repo transaction. So this is a gross basis and it's an on-balance sheet transaction. The FX derivatives market happens outside, mostly off-balance sheet. Now, it's important to know, though, that this doesn't mean this is hidden debt. What it means is that there is a different accounting regime for these FX swaps. And you should also know that being a derivative, a very known one, um, it's mostly centrally cleared. So effectively, there's a clearinghouse that forces the two counterparts to post margins against each other every time there is a mark-to-market move in this funding transaction. And to be honest, if you look at the notion of this, of this contract, it's ballistic, it's 60 trillion something, and it happens to be off balance sheet. But the fact that there are clearinghouses that are making sure that margins are always posted against each other ensures that these derivatives are obviously very well covered and very well treated. Now, the other thing you should remember is that these notional amounts in derivatives, the $80 trillion that you're seeing floating around, generally matter very little because these contracts, derivative contracts, are all very, very often used to offset existing positions. Again, as I said, they're also then cleared through, through clearinghouses, which tends to limit a lot of risks. But most importantly, they're used to offset existing positions. So the main question is, who are the players involved in this market? And are these derivatives really offsetting existing positions in this case? And again, the BIS themselves in their table and in their charts shows that that is the case. So have a look at the red um, uh, boxes that I highlighted in the BIS table. You can see that out of the um, customer FX swap uh, that are traded, there were roughly $30 trillion in 2016. You can see that the FX swap and forwards are mostly used to offset global trade and global investments. And uh, the currency swaps are then used to offset longer maturity debt issuance. So basically what I'm saying is, and you can see it in the chart below in that green box, look at the red line, that's the world trade. So that's the amount of global trade that is going on around the world at any point in time. Look at how, as it rises, also this FX forward, so the second leg of the FX swap, in other words, these derivatives, the notion of those also rises on top with it. But why? I mean, that makes a lot of sense. A 1 billion increase in a quarterly global trade over a six-month period, according to the BIS, led to an increase in these derivatives of 660 million. And in other words, if a Brazilian corporate 
gets continuous access to dollar cash flows. They're selling commodities, they're selling soybeans, whatever they're selling, they're denominated in dollars. They see a continuous inflow because trade growth is going up. They're, the economy is strong. There's a lot of trade going on denominated in dollars. This Brazilian corporate will actually offset their FX risk if they get involved in the FX derivatives market because their base currency is the Brazilian real. They have a growing business in dollars. If they do some FX swaps, they're actually hedging their risk. It's a risk mitigating activity in this case. Now, as I explained, the fact that these positions mostly offset existing underlying positions and the fact that there is, there are clearing houses that are basically matching um, the market market with the margining uh, between the, the counterparty might lead you to think that there is absolutely nothing to worry about. But again, it's more than one said that because there are two potential strains and problems that can arise from the use of derivatives as a funding or hedging mechanism. So this is not only typical of the FX derivatives market, nor is a hidden thing. It's a very well-known problem, but nevertheless, let's go through it. The two main problems in this case are that as long as plenty of dollars, a continuous flow of fresh dollars is flowing through the system, then the dollar funding needs outside the United States are not a problem. Because if I am a Korean corporate and I need dollars to come in because I have dollar liabilities, but these dollars come in, then I actually don't have a problem servicing dollar debt. What if trade growth stops though? So for the system to stay in equilibrium, it needs continuous flow of fresh dollars. The second problem is there is a maturity mismatch between the dollar funding and the dollar assets. And therefore, there is rollover risk, especially during stress times. What happens if the moment I need to roll over my debt, the lenders are all of a sudden stepping away and I cannot roll it over and my assets are longer in maturity. So I need some funding for these assets. So let's talk about the first problem. Um, which is the continuous flow of fresh dollars. The chart you can see below shows the year-on-year -year trend in Korean exports, that's the blue line, against the performance of the dollar lagged by nine months, and that's the orange line. You can see a very, very tight correlation. The dollar is inverted in there, so if exports are strong, so if the blue line is going up, then the dollar weakens. Otherwise, if exports are very weak, then the dollar starts to strengthen very quickly. I took Korea because it's a very open global economy. It's an economy that wants and thrives on strong global trade growth. Now, what happens if the music stops? What happens if trade growth, the blue line actually goes down? You can see that the dollar rapidly appreciates with a few quarters later. So the orange line also goes down. Remember, it's inverted. So lower orange line means a stronger dollar, which follows weaker trade growth. Why does that happen? Because think about it, a Korean exporter that is leveraged its balance sheet in dollars to enhance its business, all fine when world growth and trade growth is strong, these dollars organically flow towards Korea and a Korean exporter can easily service the dollar liabilities. But when these dollar cash flows dry up and the economy is weakening, all of a sudden servicing dollar debt becomes very hard. And there is a snowball mechanism. All foreign entities leveraged in dollars, they all try to deleverage at the same time in that period, which means they effectively bid up the spot dollar. They want to get rid of their dollar debt, so they buy the dollars all of a sudden, which in turn hits other foreign dollar borrowers because they see their dollar liability going up, so they see their debts basically increasing. It's a snowball mechanism and a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's nothing else than the dollar 
wrecking ball. And that's why a continuous flow of fresh new dollars from global trade growth is important to keep the system afloat. And when that continuous cash flow stops, then you normally have a problem. The other problem, as I said before, is that these FX swaps, these FX derivatives are very short dated in nature. So look at this chart. I mean, uh, 45 trillion of these FX swaps are below one year, which means they need to roll, to be rolled over as a funding mechanism pretty often. Take a pension fund who's buying a 10-year government bond and is using these FX swaps, for instance, to fund this. So they basically have a funding mechanism, which is a one-year funding mechanism to be rolled over every time, and then they have an asset, which is a 10-year. That's exactly what I'm going to show you in this chart. A Japanese insurance company, they're very involved in buying 10-year treasuries. They use the FX swap market to get their dollars. So they sell the yen, they get the dollar, and then they buy the treasuries with it. But they need to fund to roll over this funding mechanism generally every three months or maximum every year. Instead, they've bought a 10-year treasury, which is a 10-year product. Now, for long periods between 2010 and 2020, this was a very lucrative exercise. Look at the chart. The chart below shows the additional yield that the Japanese insurer would get from buying a 10-year treasury, using the FX swap to fund the transaction to get the dollars for one year, and that's the additional yield on top of simply buying the Japanese government bond. For the last 10 years on average, Japanese insurers have got over 100 basis points of additional yield by doing this exercise. Every time though, every year, they need to roll over the funding. They need to roll over the FX swaps. Now, nowadays, uh, the cost to do this transaction is very high because FX hedging, hedging costs are very high for Japanese investors. But coming back to the point, Notice how the Japanese insurer needs to roll over their funding every year. It works fine if there is little volatility and the lenders of dollar in the FX swap market, US banks, for example, are there. But what happened if they're not there anymore? In September 2008, the FX swap market completely froze. Any FX swap where people try to get dollar funding suddenly became all very expensive and foreign investors were left to scramble for US dollars. So summing up. The BIS paper calls this hidden debt. In reality, it's not hidden from anything. We know that this large market exists. It has ever existed. It has grown over time for good reasons. Nevertheless, there are potential negative consequences. So first, the, the, the positive part of the nuanced take of the BIS paper. First, off-balance sheet doesn't mean it's going to blow up. I mean, these FX derivatives require variation margins. They're centrally cleared. And they mostly offset existing dollar positions. See the chart where world trade growth grows and FX derivatives also grow to offset because they're used to offset this natural exposure to the dollar. Now, the nuance take when it comes to the fact that there are risks involved with this market is that as long as the continuous flow of fresh dollars continues, then companies have no problem to service their dollar liabilities. But when world trade growth slows down, a snowball mechanism starts where servicing dollar liabilities becomes very complicated. The other problem is that there is a maturity mismatch between the dollar funding and the dollar assets. So what happens when all the borrowers of dollars need to fund all at once and perhaps the lenders are not there anymore like in 2008? Now, in order to grasp where this um, very fragile dollar-centering system stands, monitoring global trade growth 
and the signals coming from the derivatives market is vital to keep the pulse of this very fragile system. And at the Macro Compass, in January, we'll start our paid products that will put you in a perfect position to do exactly that. There will be a data-driven macro approach and interactive tools that will monitor market signals across asset classes, including derivatives. It will allow you to monitor not only the fragility of the dollar system, but also a ton more macro. We'll talk again next week, guys, and uh, see you.